Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. And you know, this week we don't have uh, Champ with us. He's on vacation, and hopefully he's having a great time with the family this week. Um, so, you know, um, by the way, some pretty big news. Um, we're eventually going to launch our first video on the Volcanara Eats channel on uh, on YouTube. So, you know, where we talked about uh, Spinks, but we'll let y'all get to the, the, the end of that one. Um, so, you know, you heard me and Champ talk about, um, you know, preventive maintenance in IT mm-hmm. and, you know, software preventive maintenance and stuff like that, talking about, you know, looking into your you know, switch configurations, make sure your switches are up and stuff like that, make sure your software and stuff like that, caches are cleared, um, and stuff like that. So, when, before we get to this week's topic, uh, what do you think when you hear, hear that type of stuff? I know for you, you're thinking about like robot, uh, caching and stuff like that, but if we're talking also in the world of 3D printers, it's a whole different animal, I guess. Well, just, just generally in IT, uh, uh, if we're talking about um, where where it interfaces or where IT meets OT, yeah. Um, the <clears throat> biggest thing is is uh, as clients get uh, commissioned, they have to be updated so that IT reflects what the actual uh, use case is on the floor. And also, mm-hmm. as clients get decommissioned that same information needs to go to uh, IT right. because maybe this particular client or host uh, had access to ports that were necessary because of obsolete um, uh, protocols mm-hmm. or, you know, protocols that are uh, impossible to secure. So it's uh, imperative that from that point of view for IT, yeah. That's a very uh, big point for a preventive maintenance point, mm-hmm. point of view. They need to know um, what's actually the reality on the shop floor, and that's where the asset manager comes into place. Yeah, uh, I see that. So, you know, that kind of leads us into um, this week's topic. And, you know, when you talk about, like, asset management and stuff like that, you always, when you're doing preventive maintenance, same thing goes with preventive maintenance for 3D printers. And stuff like that, or added manufacturing, you should say, you know, since it's the industry as a whole. Um, is preventive maintenance checklists, and you know, this week we're gonna kind of touch on that topic. Um, now, preventive checklist, you know, the, the, the PM checklists, you could say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, PMCS checklists, if you're you know, prior military, you'll understand what those are, uh, pre trip checklists, you know, um, pre starts, you know, that type of stuff. You know, you start dealing with, hey, you know, especially if you're in the military, you start dealing with, okay, cool, my tires are okay, do I have oil, do I have coolant, am I safe to drive across country to go visit my family while I'm on leave, trying to do a 72-hour road trip from California to North Carolina or something like that, and still have time to get back in a 96. Some, I've seen people try it, and they never work out. Um, However... If you start talking about like PMCS and preventive maintenance checklists, and which that's what a PMCS is, is um, you know an added manufacturing, a little different. Because what do you think? Well, from 
additive manufacturing, uh, if, if we're talking, let, <clears throat> let's let's put it in three tiers. Yeah. So we'll say uh, uh, the top tier would be a commercially uh, uh, viable company that's uh, doing 3D prototyping mm -hmm. and uh, 3D uh, mock-ups and things of that nature, or making 3D making products right. via 3D printing. You know, so. Um, basically not a bench top 3D printer, mm -hmm. uh, commercial or industrial right. uh, 3D printer. Uh, the next level would be print farms, which would be still at the, a little bit above the hobbyist level, but you know, it's uh, maybe more printers, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more uh, process put in place. It's and like then, a hobby pro. And then uh, the hobbyist himself, you know, just depends on, um, are they prototyping a lot? Mm -hmm. Are they uh, 3D printing things to solve problems? Or are they just, okay, hey, I found this model. It's pretty cool. I want to print Moon Knight. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> if we look at it from that way, I'll, I'll step through really quick from top tier to the bottom. So, so top tier, when you have uh, commercial grade or industrial grade machines, they uh, have mechanical components electrical components uh they may even have filters uh and there may be things after so many cycles that mm -hmm. you have to do a verification on right or you may have hour meters and when an hour meter hit a certain uh uh time then you do a service mm -hmm. uh so think of it like it's an oil change right so th there's there's a sort of oil change when you're doing preventive maintenance commercially or industrially mm -hmm. Um, sim simplistically, that yeah. that's not to mean that you literally go change oil. Right. I, no, nobody thinks that. Uh, the next level is the um, the pro hobbyist mm -hmm. that has the print farm, and obviously there are going to be things from consumable that you're going to have to do. Yep. You know, in hours, not yeah. weeks. Right. There'll be things that you'll have to do in months not weeks, and there'll be things you have to do in months, not years. Right. Um, from a print form stand of view, uh, mm -hmm. point of view, you know, filament, um, yeah. you know, nozzles, yeah. verifying bed, warpage, those things. However, if you're just a hobbyist and you're using this printer maybe 10 hours a week, then your PM schedule or your PM checklist will be totally different. It'll probably be based on what the manufacturer rep uh, recommends. Which it could still be the same thing, because especially if guys are using the same printers that they use in print farms. If you have friends who run a print farm, you can talk to them and get what their their, their, their schedule is. However, you don't have to follow it to the T. You can you do your consumable maintenance, making sure your consumables are up to date before you start your printer. Check your consumables. Make sure you don't have a have a fill a you know a nozzle clog. Um, and make sure, you know, you're not in, you know, about to jam up the bed because there's either a print on there that you didn't know about, um, failed print, something is in the way that's causing, you know, issues. So, yeah, I think they, I think they can work together. I think pro hobbyists and hobbyists can, can definitely, you know, work together just by which, like you said, just on a different schedule. Um... Most printers do have their own PM sheet that comes from the manufacturer. Sometimes. Me, on the other hand, I've bought an Ender. Um, three of them, actually. 
None of them came with a PM checklist. Um, I've built a Voron. <clears throat> but he all familiar with Voron. That PM checklist is me. <laughs> so, however, love the darn thing. Oh, um, it's awesome. So, you know, that's the thing. When you start getting into your higher level prints and stuff like that, and you're 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 not prosumer, you're going down to professional, you know, shop level in minutes. I guess you could say, if I've printed more than 60 minutes with this filament, I need to check my nozzles or... But knowing that, knowing how some of these machines work, they probably have sensors on board that will tell you when, hey, guess what, I've hit time for nozzle change. Because most of them are kind of set and forget. So I would say, when you're talking commercial and industrial, those... Those machines, because it's an industrial machine, has some uh, diagnostics built into mm -hmm. the uh, from the microcontroller itself. Um, maybe that capability is available at a hobbyist level, you know, with some, um, I guess, some uh, fiddling with the, the firmware. Mm -hmm. um, but generally, if I was going to start a list, um, the, the, the things that I would do is daily, weekly, monthly, and what has to be quarterly done. Yeah. Um, and, and so daily would be verification of filament, bed level, nozzle, mm -hmm. integrity, and those things. That would that, <clears throat> that would be when, if you want to, say, print a benchy or whatever you want to do to verify. Right. Or maybe you just run a cycle where you verify that your uh, level sensor that you're using to level the bed for auto, automatic bed leveling is actually uh, true. To mm -hmm. what uh, it says it is. Uh, maybe you print just a one layer mm -hmm. and uh, say, well, hey, this one layer looks good. Right. And then you say, okay, now I can do my print. Uh, the, the, the other things you would look at is lubrication for things that are mechanical that, you know, work over several cycles. Uh, you would also look at things like uh, cable routing. Mm -hmm. Is my cable Makes routing sense. still good? Uh, uh, the most important part is the filament. Mm hmm uh, how long have I had this filament? You know, have have has moisture compromised the filament? Uh, am I at the right temperature, or am I running a little bit more uh, aggressive in temperature, which you know may degrade the material mm -hmm. over time? What what is the climate like in the uh, space that I'm working in? Yeah. So th those are are some of the things you would do, and then. You know, quarterly you would do things like verify verified you do not have bed warpage, mm -hmm. uh, verify that you do not have any issues with um, your uh, stepper motors. You know, far as I've had wear because right. I had misalignment, belt stretch, you know, things like that. If you're not using belts, maybe you're using you know in a commercial industrial grade, maybe, maybe it's a chain. Mm -hmm. Uh, but still, that has to be lubricated and verified, too, right. that the tension is correct. Mm -hmm. So those are some things you would probably do quarterly. And the thing is, is we're not talking about, you know, SLS printers or stuff like that. We're talking about, on the consumer side, on the consumer side, FFF printers. On the, on the, on the professional side, we're talking about FDM. It's supposed to be FDM across the board, but Stratus has decided they wanted to uh, trademark FDM and really screw the pooch on that one. So, 
but here and over there. You know, but now we start getting to, you know, SLS printing and, you know, the, the laser centering and stuff like that, or SLS. You start dealing with, pow- or also powder bed fusion. Mm-hmm. You start dealing with powder bed fusion, you start really dealing with granules and stuff that could get into the, uh, you know, the, the gearing mechanisms of, of some of these printers. You're talking about titanium powders or stainless steel powders for that matter. You know, you're dealing with stuff that, you know, once you get done with a print, you go and you shake it out, you get what you need, you know, blow it out with an air hose. You know, make sure you have air available. And that usually goes for all printers, um, <clears throat> you know, that are in, you know, spaces like that. Is make sure you have an air hose available, you know, or a can of air so you can, you know, blow powder and stuff like that or, you know, filament dust off your bed, you know, after, you know, before you wipe it down with, you know, isopropyl alcohol. Um, or if you're in the case of the Stratasys machines, before you switch the bed plate, because every print has its own bed plate. Um, so, which is actually pretty cool, because it's held by down by, by vacuum. So now you're dealing with a vacuum-based system that you have to go troubleshoot if something goes weirdly wrong. And you also have, you know, the multi-material units mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, that's not really getting in too into in-depth into the... Especially if you talk about MMUs. You start do- dealing with MMUs or multi-material units, you're dealing with multiple filaments pushed through the same tube. So, with that... And tubing, I don't think we touched. Um, is make sure your tubing is not frayed. Nor is it um, uh, bent or destroyed at any, at any standpoint. You know, check that before you throw a print. Check your extruder motors. Make sure your extruder motors aren't showing signs of excess wear or clogged up. Um, if you're running a V-wheel system, kind of like what the Enders are running on the gantries and stuff like that, check to make sure you're not all gunked up in your in your in your, in your V-wheels. If you're running like a Voron, check to make sure your linear rails aren't all you know gunked or dirty or dusty or something like that. Hit them with a, hit them with some comp- compressed air. Um, you know, let them run, maybe a little bit of grease here and there, get them, you know, talking and, you know, working nice and fine. And then we start dealing with, you know, ball screws and stuff like that. You know, add some, add some, uh, some grease to those or you'll start getting squeaky wheels in them. Yeah, I, I, I think <clears throat> just to, to kind of touch back on the thing Stick said, uh, so when you're, when you're dealing with machines that are using granular material, um, it's it's not only the material itself, but uh, the getting into things mm-hmm. or getting in places is not designed to be in, um, which that should be a a, a PM in itself to verify right. um, the cleanliness the cleanliness of your uh, equipment. Yeah. The other thing that I would say with the granular material is maybe certain materials shouldn't be mixed together. So yeah, maybe there's a purge cycle that has to be done or cleaning Mm -hmm. that really needs to be done before I switch between different materials if it's granular. Um, uh, Another thing is uh, the integrity of the granular uh, medium. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if I use it so many times, then it degrades that material or becomes clogged and tossed and or run through some type of type of sieve, Mm -hmm. and the clumps would stay in the sieve, and you would get the smaller granular yeah. parts that are free and flowing. We, we saw some of them similar to yeah. that when we were yeah. at Rapid. We saw where they have a 
a, sh- a sift base station where they mm. go and knock it free. Yep. Um, um, so when they load, they take the print out and they load it into the machine, it, it shakes it free, and they have a 95% catch return. Yeah. So it breaks it all through, they add new, and then add it back. Uh, Form Labs was actually the people who can't who have that. It's mm. a whole entire system that's all broken out together. Great. Um, expensive, but great. Yeah, I think, like I said, the big thing is, is you know, contamination between different types of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing would be uh, when you're talking about this uh, medium is temperature considerations. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure um, if you must maintain a certain temperature. Normally, equipment uh, has, it comes with a um, temperature range that is. They like to operate at. Like to operate at. It will operate outside those parameters, mm-hmm. but then you get degraded performance from that that uh, mechanism. Makes sense. Um, then to, to move on further, when we start talking about, um, you know, maybe maybe someone uh, has a uh, a uh, hobbyist has a printer. Uh, one other thing that people need to consider is the quality of the tube that you're using for feeding mm-hmm. the uh, filament in there. And also remember that tubing also touches the uh, the heat break. So over time, you could have a deterioration of that particular part and it could uh, maybe become... Uh, like fused? Com- well, fused or it could, when it's the, the filament is feeding, it could start to catch. And because, because Yeah, because the material has uh, lost its integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Capricorn so, tubing is a great way to fix that problem. I mean, that, that those are some things to do. Then also, are you cleaning your nozzle? Are you cleaning mm-hmm. around all of the heated elements? Are you uh, heating elements could go bad right over time? Are you taking a temperature probe and verifying that what it says is that temp? It is that temp. Right. So those are some things I would do. You know, not <clears throat> not quarterly, but maybe every at the end of it, every year, mm-hmm. I would verify what the microcontroller is telling me. Right. Where Makes I can. Sense. Where I can. It's, it's not that easy on other things. Temperature-wise, it is. Yeah. And the thing is, is your consumable rate of a uh, nozzle, hot end, and stuff like that is dependent upon what you print. So, for example, if you're printing a filament that's got wood in it or got carbon fiber in it or got an abrasive material in there it's going to eat through brass nozzles like it's going out of style so probably every two or three prints you're replacing a nozzle um before so it won't get out of spec that's if you don't go to a high abrasion nozzle um like the ones that we've seen from slice engineering or the diamond nozzle guys and stuff like that which we saw a couple of those at uh rapid and they're amazing um, I mean, absolutely. It's it's weird to think because you got to think about it. That also, more your your nozzle is worn back, the less temperature transfer you're getting. So the guys who are using diamond nozzles mm-hmm. or treated nozzles also have the availability for that heat temperature to go all the way to the nozzle point itself mm-hmm. instead of just back inside the heat break. So as you're eating your way your nozzle on traditional nozzles, you're eating that away. So you don't really have that anymore, and also it makes the orifice bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So you know, make sure you're 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 watching what you're printing. Like for example, on the Voron, I print uh, ABS a lot, 
or ASA, um, that is in a heated chamber. So now I've got wear on not just the chamber itself, I've got wear on my CAN bus system that I'm running, I've, that, which is another PM part I gotta worry about is CAN bus. Um, the nozzle and all the heat brakes. You know, is it a lot? Not really. But it's enough to make you know that, hey, guess what? I need to replace this. And then uh, maybe not a, not a huge problem, but if you use uh, the hack where you use the springs or if you use the hacks where you use the uh, elastomer mm -hmm. uh, spacers, uh, even those over time can uh, back off unless you, you know, maybe you tighten them to a point and you use some type of fastener behind the, the part that tightens. But yeah. over time, you know, because JB things well. move, uh, well, you can use a nylon locking yeah. nut Mine, or yeah. something like that. Uh, but over time, uh, those things happen. Um, that's something else you should check. You would probably see it in your print quality mm -hmm. because you would probably have you know, some migrations in the print or you'll probably have some type of defect that's happening. Right. Uh, maybe your fans themselves, you know, depending on how, how often you're running, like in a print farm, maybe you have a high rate of failure on fans because you didn't get a, uh, a robust enough fan. You know, you probably want something that's probably far exceeds the fan in a, in a laptop or a PC itself. You, you probably want something that, uh, it's not a little cheap mm -hmm. fan that, okay, hey, yeah, I can run it for maybe a couple of hours, but say if I got a 40-hour print, you know, and I'm doing, I don't know, 40-hour prints throughout the whole week, you know, throughout the whole month, maybe that's too much for a degraded type of uh, uh, fan. So those right. are some things you have to consider, some things you have to check. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I would even go so far as to verify that... Let's just be honest. Most people that invest in getting a hobbyist level 3D printer or becoming a prosumer mm -hmm. and they go to a print farm or, or build a custom printer are tinkerers. Yeah. As a tinkerer, you should want to verify, you know, nominal flow, you know, uh, laminar flow, excuse me, laminar, laminar flow. flow. Uh, you should want to verify the temperature, mm -hmm. temp creep, all these things. I'm not saying you do it every time, but you should do a verification to verify and keep a chart based off of your PM list in conjunction. Information from the PM list going in my database to give me data points to verify that, hey, the printer is performing the way I thought it would perform. Right. And if it's not, then you can start to troubleshoot or... Uh, identify why those things are not happening yeah and you know the thing is is don't be afraid to use technology to your advantage you know take notes you know when's the last time we did a pm take notes you know write it down uh put it into excel or put on a whiteboard next to your printer you know where it's oh i printed this but i checked my nozzle on this day i checked this on this day i checked this on this day i didn't know any degradation no degradation noted and oh and also when you replace your nozzle, make note of it. Say, hey, I replaced my nozzle on this day. And then if you're using Clipper or something like that, it'll tell you how many hours you're at, print hours. Make a note of how many print hours you're at. 
And then when you change it again, make a note again and see exactly that distance between the time you've changed your nozzle and the time you, you're changing it again. Because you've noticed a degradation and, you know, some sort of, you know, issue. Mm-hmm. Or you noticed that you're losing consistency in your prints. Um, bed adhesion isn't that great. Um, make note of every time you change something. Make note of the date and the time that you changed it. Because the thing is, is then you can start building yourself a like a PM inventory, I guess you could say, of stuff that you can go back and look at. And stuff that you can really go, okay, cool, I think we have, you know, to look into this, I gotta dig deeper into um, into this topic. You know, because I'm having issues. I'm I'm burning through this, why am I burning through this? Oh well it's the print that's the film that I'm using. Makes sense. And also when you change your nozzle, make sure you note what film are you running the most. Am I running PLA a lot? Am I running carbon fiber PLA? Am I, am I running PETG? Am I running ABS? Am I running, you know, TPU? Um, you know, really just depends. So make note of all of that. That is something great to set up. Set up your, your PM database. Even if you have a small Ender 3, <coughs> start now with a PM database. Because you can take that and, and send that over to a Prusa. You can send that to Voron. You can send that to an an SVOL. You can send that to, even if you start doing stuff as more of a prosumer and you start getting into a stratasis, you start getting into those things. You build good habits. The thing is, it's a habit, 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 habit forming. And that's the one thing about, you know, maintenance as a whole is habit forming. Once you get that habit down, slowly but surely build on top of it and uh i'll I'll say i'll give i'll give a few tips um so one of the things that i recommend is you should do what i call a first print um calibration so what a first print calibration consists of is that before you print something that you're going to do in volume you print uh that uh item once and you take that item, if it's to uh, the specifications that um, you set up, that's the master part that you use to verify the other parts. So by doing that, you can discover problems before you do a batch of prints. And hey, I I, I lost you know 40 hours printing mm-hmm. these because I didn't do a first part release. So you you should always do a first part release. Uh, the next thing you should do is in between each of those prints, I would do a, a uh, cleaning. Mm-hmm. Just do a general cleaning uh, to the bed. You know, uh, there are some other hacks. Some people believe in using glue sticks. Some people don't. There are some things that you can do. You, you can try some of those things. There's plenty of, we've talked about it before, and plenty of other people talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- those are some things you would want to do. Uh, and then, uh, as as uh, Nick said, you uh, your best friend is the uh, manufacturer. So if you can provide any information to the to the manufacturer, you know of things that you're seeing that are uh, failing uh, abnormally, maybe you can send that to the manufacturer. And the manufacturer can say, well, wh- well, what are you doing? And maybe you and the manufacturer can work together and make the product better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's 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 something. You know, they have bug bounties. Well, maybe we should have print bounties, <laughs> you know. Iterative. Iterative yeah. manufacturing. Yeah. It's, it's great. 
You know, it's, you know, everything is on a cycle. You know, you got to think about 3D printers being agile. You're always going to be ready for the next release. If you think about it, what, Creality released three printers of the same family in a year or two years at one point. So, but the thing is, is those wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't say, hey, guess what? We bought your printer, but we added a BL touch to it. Mm-hmm. Or we added a camera to it. Or we added this to it. Or we did this to it. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, well, we're doing this. So the K1. Oh, we added LiDAR. Right. It's like the K1. You know, they added the, the Core XY system that was on the Ender 7. Because they realized that people wanted a Core XY set. You know, and it's, you know, the thing is, it's like what you got with the Ender 5, which I've got. It's not a Core XY. It's like a, a Core Z. Um, so, you know, it's not a Core XY. It's, we're close. But the thing is, it is it's re, it, it's iterative. Like, you know, I got the Pro, now they have the Neo. And then they have the Max. Then they have this one. Because people will either modify them, make them bigger. The manufacturer wants to, you know, wants a buck at the deal. But however, they're still listening. A lot of these manufacturers I've talked to, you know, when we were at Rapid, and had the conversations with them and asked to flat out, you know, if somebody has a problem with something, do you take those complaints seriously? Most of the companies, yeah. Some companies you can tell weren't very interested in the conversation. I won't, you know, rat those companies out. But I'll tell you one thing, the ones that are very interested in hearing about their community is the guys from Perusia Research. Great group of guys. They always want to know about their people. Um, the folks over at um, Creality kind of want to know, you know, they're, they're very, they're, they're, they're quite interested, you know, what's going on. Um, and a couple others, um, for, you know, it's, you just got so many people out there right now that, you know, they want to kind of hear what's, what's up. So, you know, don't be afraid to share that information, share it on social media, share it on their, on their, on their websites, share it on their comments, send them an email, let them know that, Hey, guess what? I found this problem. I'm having this issue. Most resin printers have been fixed or modified because somebody found something during the resin print that they wanted. For example, in the resin printers, you have the auto bed fill situation. Mm -hmm. Um, That was came up by by somebody using the printer that's to say, I want a way to refill my bed automatically. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, the company went, oh, okay, well, let's add that feature. So as it gets loaded, automatically fills it back up based on the sensor. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and speaking of sensors and software firmware, you should always consider firmware up updates when the manufacturer suggests it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always you know make a back make a backup. Always always make a backup. Mm-hmm. I've lost printer uh, that way. You know, or clone your SD card mm-hmm. with with a backup. You know that's that's a thing too. Or back it up to the cloud. How, however you need to do those things. Um, but I would suggest when you're uh, experiencing some issues, you know, maybe check with the company's website and see if it's a firmware update that they recommend that you do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's fixed some of those problems. Also maintain your G code. Right. Or, or if you get G code from somebody else, here's a PM verify the G code is not going to crash your, uh, nozzle into the bed. You know, th- those are some things you might want to do. You know, open put it up in a slice. Open up in a, in a slicer. I mean, I love slicers and I trust slicers, but it's nothing like, hey, I'm gonna print it at reduced speed and see what it's doing. 
you know, but for the most part, the slicer will tell yeah. you if it's a problem. Don't don't take somebody's G code and automatically run it, especially if it's not built for your printer, because if it's over your printer base, it'll try to print and it'll crash into things and you know potentially break a lot of expensive equipment. And guess what? You'll do PMs then. Right. You'll you'll do that. And you'll be learning how to replace your entire printer piece by piece. So you won't, I don't know if you count that as a PM, but it'd be more or less a reconstruction. Yeah. Well, you'll learn how to PM. Yeah, you'll learn how to PM well, real quick. Well, you'll learn how to, you'll learn why to do preventive maintenance and why you now have to do, you know, uh, reactive maintenance. Right. That and you magically learn about the RUDs. You know, rapid, un, 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 unscheduled disassembly. Um, so, you know, prevent that and also prevent sending your, your nozzle to Mars, you know, or to the center of the Earth. Um seen that what happens when somebody puts in the wrong g-code and the you know the, the the nozzle goes too high and also when it goes too low um so you know make sure that your heights are correct you know verify that type of stuff especially if you have problems oh what are we missing nothing i, I would say probably the last part is you you probably want to uh um have a um, schedule for if you start to have uh, artifacts in your prints. Yep. You know, uh, maybe maybe you're gonna you're printing at an acceptable quality for yourself, but maybe your customer wants you know something a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Well, then there are some tools you have to use. You know, maybe you're using heat guns or some type of uh, blown air, heated blown air to get rid of some of the stringing and things mm -hmm. that you experience or um, Maybe you have to look at the tools you use to get off, you know, to uh, unmount your yep. your print from the uh, non-marring non-marring the bed. You know, maybe you have a magnetic uh, solution in place, mm -hmm. but it's worn and you've flipped it already. Right. Then you should consider, hey, how long does that last, and how often should I replace that mm -hmm. to ensure the quality of my my print. Um, if, if we're talking about prosumers and yeah, always buy and commercial industrial beds are cheap you can yeah. buy them by two packs um, buy multiples and then documentation is probably the most important part you should yep. you should really documentate your um, preventive maintenance process yeah exactly and you know the, the consumables are cheap you buy extras you're going to need it if you tell me that you've run the same bed the entire time you've owned your printer I'm going to laugh at you and say that's not right i guarantee you you change something you know um most of us have gone to the um pei sheets mm -hmm. because we've destroyed a, an ender um a regular sheet i can understand if you have like a, a prusa you probably haven't replaced your bed because it comes with a pei sheet mm -hmm. so you know i'm saying if you're running an ender you probably replace your bed by now well, if you if you're a cheap person, maybe you got a piece of glass or a mirror or something, you know. Yeah, that's what that, it works. That's the solution, but you know, it's not probably the most efficient, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it works. And and the thing is, is it's definitely not to shame anybody, but you know, things are cheap. You know, buy extras, document your stuff, and also, especially if you're buying multiple beds, document the date you bought them. Because eventually that glue on the back of the magnetic sheet is going to go bad from heat cycles. And you may have to replace that that, 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 plastic, that, that, that sticky back piece, you know, at some point. Um, you know, anytime soon, probably not. 
However, I would say, you know, a couple years, it may be time to replace the, the sticky back magnetic piece. And at least you know when you did it. So, you know, knowledge is power on that one. And the thing is, is build your own knowledge and build your own power for it. Because the thing is, is more you know, the better your print's going to be, the happier you're going to be with it, the longer you're going to enjoy the hobby um, and the career that you're in. Um, you know, if you're just getting your company into, you know, um, uh, you know, added manufacturing, make sure they're aware of what the print cycle should be. Or not the print cycle, but the PM cycle should be. So, um, honestly, I think with that, I think we've uh, kind of beat the horse a little bit tonight. So, you know, I want to say thank you. Um, I think we were at 1750 something last time I checked, if not more, seventeen eighty. So we're we're definitely doing huge. We're definitely doing really well. Um, definitely enjoying it. Um, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for y'all. You know, we want to say thank you, and hopefully one of these days we can meet some of y'all. I see that some of y'all are from the U.S. You know, we're we're happy for that. Um, however, it's also the ones of y'all that are across the pond. You know, it's you know that's that says something. You know, the guys who are out there in the U.K. and France and you know some places like that. You know, we're we're happy to have you. Um, hopefully we can get out there one day and to one of your print cons you guys got out there or print uh, expo that you guys got going on out there and you know drop in and say hello and you know, have a couple conversations but you know we wouldn't be doing this without y'all you know we highly appreciate it so I'm going to turn it over to Ed for the parting words you know we thank you and we definitely appreciate you so I'd just like to give what one final uh, piece of advice um, if you do not have ventilation in place I advise you Either get some type of respirator if you're in a closed room, uh, or I would I would recommend you are in a well ventilated room. Uh, but if not, you should have some type of exhaust system with filters, and those filters should be changed. Or you should have some type of mask, and those masks should be um, changed over time. I would just do that something carbon based, uh, you know, so that you're not exposed to some of those fumes. Maybe, you know, once or twice is not a bad thing, but when you start, you know, getting into, you know, chemical-based systems, mm -hmm. that, that could probably be a little bit harmful to your health, so we want you all to stay healthy and safe. Uh, but other than that, I would just like to say we do appreciate uh, the support. We do appreciate the, uh, the growth of the channel. Um, for me, I, I, I appreciate the... Uh, the amount of watches and the amount of people that are, uh, you know, tuning in. But I, I, I really think the biggest thing for me is that we took something that was just an ideal and we thought, hey, this could be a way to teach people uh, some things in technology or share some knowledge we have to help people that, you know, maybe don't have uh, the same amount of experience or just to give our experience in, 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 in general. So... Uh, that's really been the biggest thing that I've enjoyed through the whole process. I, I would like to get a little bit more feedback and uh, cover some topics that you guys are interested in. Mm -hmm. Or uh, maybe maybe if we get enough, if we can get enough followers and support, we can do some live streams. Yeah, you me and Champ talked about that one night. Yeah. But we'll, we'll appreciate everything, and uh, uh, stay tuned. We have more content coming. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good one. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. 
We hope you enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.